Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Ready to receive from the Lord tonight? Isn't it good to know He's ready to give? He's ready to bless you. You know, Jesus, when He was just 12 years of age, right? He said, I must be about my Father's business. Well, what business was that? Well, what, what did Jesus end up going about doing? The Bible says He went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. Because God was with him. That's what Jesus did. He went about doing good and healing and blessing. So what kind of business is he in? He's in the blessing business. Praise God. He's in the blessing business. I mean, that's, that's just the kind of God we serve. He's good. He's good to all. He's good all the time. He's good to you. You say, where does all the bad stuff come from? Well, I just quoted Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good and healing all those who are oppressed of the devil. So it's the devil who oppresses people. It's the devil who afflicts people. It's the devil who's referred to as the tempter in the Bible. He's in the tempting business. He's in the harassing business. Friend, you and I have an enemy. And it's never God. God is for us. He is not against us. No, there's an enemy that's arrayed against us, and that's Satan and his demons. They're they're the ones that cause the problems in life, not the Lord. The Lord, he is good. And he makes his reign of goodness come down on the just and on the unjust. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He makes his rain come down on everybody. Hallelujah. He's in the goodness business. He's in the goodness business. So it's easy to, to receive when you understand that. All you got to do is receive. You don't have to beg God to give. You don't have to beg God, oh God, please bless me. Oh God, please help me. Oh God. It's like, please. That's who he is. The Holy Spirit is called in the word of God, the helper. I mean, that's who he is. He is the helper. So to beg God to help is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, well, if I get a thousand people on Facebook to agree with me, perhaps we can, you know, really influence God to do something here. No, it's not about influencing God to do good. He is good. He does good to all. No, it's about us getting in position to receive it. And so, you know, we would do a whole lot better if we designed our prayers that way. That instead of us trying to get God to move and do something on our behalf, that we would be asking God, Lord, help us to move with you. Help us to yield to you. Help us to cooperate with you. And then don't just sit there and not do something. Begin to cooperate with him if you expect him to help you to cooperate. And the one way you start to cooperate with him is you get over in the word of God. You open up the Bible. And that's how you begin to learn his ways and understand how to yield to him, how to cooperate with him, how to receive from him. A lot of people don't know how to receive from God. That's a very sad thing. I mean, the greatest thing to understand and know in life is how to receive from God. It's the greatest thing. Because every good and perfect gift comes from him. All good things come from God. Everybody likes good things. You like bad things. You want things to go bad for you? No, you want, you want good things. You want good things to happen. Good comes from God. Good comes from God. So we want to be good at receiving the goodness of God. Receiving from him. So we get into the good book. We get into the good word of God. And that's going to help us to receive from him. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 130. It says the entrance... Of your word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. Not necessarily to the theologian. Not necessarily to the brilliant. 
But to the simple, God gives understanding. All you have to do is have a heart for it. Desire it. Put yourself in a position to receive it from him. How do you do it? Get in the word. Because it all comes through the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Why don't you say it with me tonight? Say faith, faith. comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. That's right. It's the only way faith comes. Faith comes from hearing from God. And we hear from God primarily through his written word. Through the word of God. Hallelujah. And so like the Bible says, the entrance of his word brings light. It causes light. It causes the lights to go on. And we need the lights to come on. Because we live in a very dark world. We live in a world that is full of darkness. And I'm not just talking about natural darkness. I'm talking about spiritual darkness. In fact, all our problems in life are the result of darkness, spiritual darkness. Think about that. All your problems is the result of darkness. So what's the answer to the darkness? The light. And the Bible says in Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of thy word gives light. In other words, it gives the answer to all your problems. It gives the answer to everything you're dealing with in life. And of course, that light that we receive from the word is God himself. As we see in 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 1. Why don't you turn there with me tonight? 1 John chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 5, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Powerful. In him there is no darkness at all. So anything that is the result of darkness is not of him. Because he don't have it in him. There ain't a shady place in God. Are you hearing me? There ain't a shady place in him, let alone any darkness. There is no darkness. So darkness does not come from him. Light comes from him because that's who he is. God is light. And there is no darkness at all. At all. Verse 6. Well, you know, I think of, I think of James chapter 1 where the, the Bible says, uh, let no one say when he's been tempted that he's been tempted by God. Because God doesn't... Matter of fact, let's just hold your place here. Why don't we just go back a little bit here to James chapter 1. And in verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For or because God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Notice that God don't tempt anyone. Well, I think God's just, you know, trying to test me with all these problems in life. How many times do you hear Christians say things like that? Dear Lord, read your Bible. If it's evil, if it's a bad thing, God ain't in it. God's not doing it. He, the Bible says let no one even say that. Don't even say it, let alone believe it. And yet we got folks teaching it in churches all over the place. That God does these things, you know, to help us more pious, to make us more pious, you know. To make us stronger, to make us a better person. God brings these sicknesses and diseases and afflictions and problems upon our life. You know, he works in mysterious ways. We don't understand, but it's all good. That's a lie. That is a lie. That is a religious lying spirit that has spread doctrine and teaching like that throughout the body of Christ. No, these things don't come from God. They don't come from God. Evil doesn't proceed from God who is good. 
So he says, well, you know what we call evil isn't necessarily evil to God. You know, what we think is evil, God might be, you know, he sees, he sees more than we do. And so perhaps in his sovereignty, he's uh, got good plans for this disease. He's got good plans for this car wreck. He's got good plans. He's got, he's got good things in mind, you know. And uh, no, no, friend. You see, God makes it very clear what is evil to him, what is bad to him, what is a curse to him, and what is good to him, what is a blessing to him. I mean, all you got to do is go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 and just read through it. And this is God talking in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And he says, now, here's my blessings if you obey me. And everything you read there as a blessing, you would agree. That's a blessing. And then he says, now, here are the curses that come upon people when they get into disobedience. When they get out away from me, who's good, and they go out and do something else, yield to Satan. These curses will come upon them. And it begins to list all these terrible things that you would agree, every single one of them is a curse. And you get to verse 61, and it says, every sickness and every plague or disease that's written is a part of the curse. Every sickness... Every disease is a part of the curse. So how could we turn around and say it's a blessing in disguise? And yet people teach it and do it all, you know, talk that way all the time. No, God's not going to tend, God's not going to send evil across your path to see how well you do. That would be tempting you with evil, wouldn't it? The Bible says don't even say such a thing. Let no one say, let no one say when he is tempted... I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt. We can say it this way. He cannot tempt anyone. It's just not in his DNA. It's not in who he is. Isn't that great? So we don't have to be confused in life. We don't have to go through life, you know, confused whether it's God or, you know, God's fighting against us. God's causing these problems, you know, and, and now, you know, we've got to overcome God. Well, you're not going to overcome God. I mean, why even pray about it? If it's God who's done it, just forget it. You're done. Right? I mean, I guess you can beg, please stop, please stop. You know. Job prayed that way a little bit, you know, but you get over there in the book of Job, you understand? Job confused the devil with God. Job didn't know the difference between the devil and God, he didn't have a Bible. I said, Job didn't have the Bible. He didn't have any, any scriptures whatsoever. Job is actually the oldest written, old, 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 uh, oldest written scriptures. The book of Job is the oldest book of the Bible. It's older than Genesis. Genesis actually was written later by Moses. So we don't ever have to be confused. What's from God and what's from the devil? I like that, don't you? Yeah. Hallelujah. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, Jesus' word is the truth. God's word is the truth. And that's what he's referring to there. You're not practicing the word of God if... You're lying. Lies don't proceed from God. The Bible actually says it's impossible for God to lie. So it's impossible for him to tempt you. It's impossible for him to lie. There's no lie in God. God's not going to deceive you. You know, God says it as it is. Again, nothing shady with God. I mean, it's just perfect light with no darkness at all. So he says, you know, if you say... Oh, I fellowship with God. I love God. You know, I'm a church-going Christian. And yet, you live a life that's contrary to the truth. You have a lot of stuff going on that is contrary to the Word of God, which is God's way of doing things. Then you're lying. And you know, you know who people lie to the most? Themselves. That's exactly right. People lie to themselves 
all the time. In fact, I remember a song, uh, you know, back in the days out in the world. Tell me lies, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. Tell me lies. Huh? I don't want to hear the truth. Tell me lies. And people sing it. Because you know why people sing it? Because it agrees with their spirit. It agrees with what's in them. That's why. People like being lied to. But God don't like lies. We shouldn't like lies. I don't like being deceived. We should never want to be deceived. But really, that's what pride is. Pride, I heard something define pride as believing lies about yourself. That's what walking in pride is. It's you believe lies about yourself. You think more highly of yourself than you ought to. You're thinking about yourself not according to reality, not according to truth. And so the Word of God will have a humbling effect on us and bring us into the truth and cause us to walk in the light. Hallelujah. And we all want to walk in the light. Over in chapter 2 of 1 John, it says in verse 9, 2, 9, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going. Because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So notice this lying and hatred are synonymous for walking in darkness. They're synonymous of darkness. So when we're talking about spiritual darkness, what's included in that? Lying. Lying is darkness. Hatred. Having hatred, resentment, bitterness in your heart. Those things... Uh, are spiritual darkness. They're the, they're the works of darkness. Well, if you got darkness working in you, then you're not going to be able to see very far. You're not going to be able to see very far. And you think about how many people go through life and they can't see very far. I mean, they got, they're very, very short-sighted spiritually. They just can't see very far. And so as a result of that, they're so easily tricked. They're so easily deceived. People are so easily tripped up. I mean, in some, you know, I mean, the media is really great. Just stir some people up, say things enough times, and people will believe it. You know, uh, marketers, just run that ad, just keep running that ad, keep running that ad, and, and, and they'll eventually buy it. They'll eventually believe it. I mean, just, just repetition, and they'll, they'll come in line. They'll believe what we want them to believe. That's how... That's how you know, humans are. They're just so easily duped, so easily deceived. That shouldn't be you and I. You and I should have the wisdom of God in us, and we can see far and wide. We got great spiritual 2020 vision. In fact, we got more than 2020 vision. I mean, we got binoculars. No, we got more than binoculars. We got telescopes, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking, about, I'm talking about spiritual vision that just can see far. I mean, in, infrared is in there, too. You know what I'm saying? At night, you got night vision. You got night vision. You can see right through the darkness. You can see what's going on. Look over there and say, I see you behind there. I mean, you just see right. Nobody else can see it. Everybody's in the dark. Can't see a thing. Huh? You just see right through it all. That's where you and I are. Why? Because the entrance of his word gives us light. Because we're walking in the light of God and we understand lying is not of God, so we don't lie. We reject every temptation to lie. We understand where that's coming from. That's darkness trying to work in our life. We understand hatred, jealousy, bitterness, resentment, and all these things. It's all the works of darkness and we resist those things. We don't allow those things in us. We're quick to forgive. I mean, I'm quick to forgive. Somebody just cuts me off on the road. Just cuts me off on the road, you know. I just say, Lord, I forgive him. Somebody just, just snubs me, gives me the cold shoulder, you know. Somebody comes and says, well, they were talking about you. Oh, thank you very much for letting me know. Father, I forgive them. I forgive them. I'm not holding anything against them in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you for moving in their life and helping them. I'm not going to enter into that. I'm not going to let darkness get inside me. 
You can't let even a little darkness get inside you because it could deceive you into a place where it could take your life or, you know, hurt you really bad, affect your life in a very bad way. So we want all the darkness out. We want, we want to get as much light as possible. Amen? John 3, John's gospel, that is, John 3, verse 19, Jesus said this, and this is the condemnation. It's going to give you a definition of condemnation. That the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. See, that's what condemnation is. Condemnation is when somebody hears the truth. The light of God shines on him and says, now listen, you're going the wrong way. You've got to make some changes here. You're, you're going in a way that's not good. It's not going to have a happy ending. That's why it's not good. God wants you to have a happy ending. He wants everything you pursue and do in life to have a happy ending. That's why God wants to protect us. That's why God tells us you want to change that path you're on. You want to get out of that mess you're in. You want to stop living like that. You want to stop talking like that. You want to stop going that, that direction. He wants to protect us from being robbed of a happy ending. We want to have a happy ending to everything we pursue. Don't you? Yes. So, you know, here, what does he say? This is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light. Because their deeds were evil. So they heard the truth. They heard what needed to change. But they hardened our heart and said, no, I'm not going to hear that. I'm not going to change in that area. And they continued to go the way they wanted to go. Even though the light came and showed them a different direction. Well, now what's going to happen is they're going to have condemnation in their heart. They're going to be walking around carrying guilt on the inside of them. Now, they can cover up all the guilt all they want. You know, go to church, do good deeds, you know. Walk some elderly people across the street. Maybe visit a nursing home or something. You know, you can do all kinds of things. It ain't going to get rid of the guilt. It ain't going to get rid of the condemnation that's on the inside. So God's word comes to us and it'll convict us of things that aren't right. But then if you don't cooperate with his conviction, it'll turn to condemnation. Which just produces guilt and shame in your life. But notice, he says... They loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. So in other words, the darkness here is synonymous for evil. See, we're just we're wanting to understand spiritual darkness. When the Bible talks about darkness, it's not just talking about natural darkness and natural light. There is a spiritual light. There is spiritual darkness. <clears throat> and so darkness is evil. That's how it's defined right here. It is evil deeds, evil doing. So it's lying, it's hatred, it's evil. And we know, of course, it's demonic. That the devil is a creature of darkness. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, I believe it's verse 12... It talks about how we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, rulers of the darkness. Demons rule the darkness. They're the ones that are over the darkness. Notice, God doesn't rule darkness. Oh, God rules everything. God's in absolute sovereign control of everything. No, he's not in control of darkness. Demons are. Bible says demons rule the darkness. They're the rulers of the darkness. These spiritual hosts of wickedness. They rule the darkness. So you see, there's some things God's not ruling. Think about that. There's some things God's not ruling. God is not in Control To be in control would mean he rules it. He's the one dominating it. But he's not in control of darkness because he says demons control the darkness. So 
if you yield to darkness, to evil, lying, hatred, all these things, you come under the powers of darkness. You come under demons. They're the ones ruling your life, not God. How many people want demons ruling their life? Who? Yeah. But you know what? Demons are ruling in a lot of areas of people's lives. In other words, the devil is in control. The devil's in absolute sovereign control because you gave him the sovereignty to rule your life. See? So we don't want the devil ruling our life. Because if he, his, if he rules your life, he'll ruin your life. He'll promise you, he'll promise you a rose garden, you know. And then all you'll see is the thorns. That's all you're going to get is, a, is, is just being pricked. That's all you're going to get. You're not really going to get to smell the flowers. So he'll promise you all kinds of things. And, you know, the devil, you know, his intentions might be actually to bring about something good, positive, nice. But he can't. He can't do it. He is a creature of darkness. He is pure, perfect evil. That's who he is. There's nothing good in him. So, you know, if you're yielding to him, you might have good intentions. You might have good desires and you want to do good things and bring about good things. But if you're not practicing the truth, then you're not walking in the light. If you're not walking in the light, you're walking in the darkness. And to the degree you're walking in the darkness, the devil's in control. And it's going to end a mess. Now, some people go, you know, a great length, many, many years. And, you know, and everything seems fine. Of course, you don't know all the things that are going on in people's lives. But it could all seem fine. But in the end, it's destruction. I mean, even, even if you had it go good here on earth, to end up in hell, I mean, that's pretty bad. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade all the wonderful things that this life, this world has to offer to spend eternity in a place like hell. You understand? No, no, no. So we, we don't want to end up in destruction. And everything the devil, you know, the devil just can't help himself. Everything he puts his hands to, it turns out to be a mess. He just ruins it. He just ruins everything. He's been ruining God's creation and all God's blessings for a long time. He's the one that messes it all up. The Bible says when God created everything, he created it good. Read Genesis. And God made this and said it was good. And then God made this and, and, and said it's good, and it was good, and it was good, and, and he made this, and, and it was good, and it was good, and everything God created, I guess you can read Genesis, you know, just encourage yourself sometime about what God makes, you know. Good, good, good. He don't make messes. He make good. He make good. He do good things. That's all God does. But then you see, uh, the mankind yielded to the devil. The devil came in and immediately started to make a mess of everything that was good. And he's been making a mess ever since. Jesus said in John the 12th chapter. Actually, go to chapter 8. John 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Praise God. Just follow Jesus. He is the light of the world. And what's awesome is when you follow him, you become the light of the world. You become a light to this world. I mean, you don't just have light, you become a light. That's pretty awesome. I said, you don't just have light, you become a light. So I mean... How many people know a light has no fear of darkness? A light has no fear of darkness. Now, someone that might have a light might be afraid that he might lose the light. Right? And then, and then be in the darkness. But if you are light, then there's no fear of darkness whatsoever. It's just, it's who you are. You're light. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. But here it says that he was the light of the world. See? So when you follow him, you become the light of the world. Just like him. We become a, we become a bunch of little lights. 
He's the big light. He's Papa light. Almighty light. And praise God. Thank God for a bunch of flick my bicks that we can. No, no, no. Praise God. We're a little bit bigger than that. Amen. Hallelujah. No, thank God. Uh, the light that we have is him. That's the light that makes us light. It's being one with light. Being light with him. John 12, verse 35. Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. What a warning. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. Listen, he's telling us right here. When you've got light, you better grab it. Grab it while you got it. Never take what we have here for granted. You know, when we had the shutdown, you know, and churches closed and things like that for, you know, for several weeks. When we came back, people were, people were like, oh, so thankful to get back in the house of God. Right? You all remember that? Oh, man. And I don't think any of us really realized how much we were missing out when we couldn't come to church, when we couldn't get in the house of God. Now, thank God we were able to still live stream, and th but it just wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same. Thank God we can get in the house of God. Thank God for the light that is in this lighthouse. And that's really what the church is. It's a lighthouse. Man, it's a house of light. And we're all coming together to the lighthouse to get our lights recharged. Get charged back up, you know. Get rebooted. Get brighter. Get stronger. Get our lights stronger. You know, God's supply of power is, is flowing more mightily in our life because of the things we're receiving. Sitting under the word tonight. Sitting in his presence tonight. Get it where you got it. Get it where, because you never know what tomorrow holds. You never know when it might be taken from you. These opportunities to get in the light. Jesus' disciples, I'm sure, began to take for granted, you know, after three years of walking with them. They thought, you know, man, we got Jesus. We got everything. Man, we got such light. And, you know, they've got all kinds of ideas of what's going to happen next. You know, they're going to overthrow Rome. And, you know, I mean, this is it. And they're going to be seated next to them on, their th on these thrones and, you know, all these great, they got all these things. And Jesus is trying to warn them. He's like, you guys aren't seeing very far. Your selfishness is blinding your eyes. Your pride is deceiving you. You're not seeing very far. They couldn't understand what was about to happen. Jesus was about to be crucified and taken from them. And so Jesus is here. He's warning them and he says, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light. Grab that light, man. Walk, take this word tonight and run with it. Run with it. Less darkness overtake you. We're living in an exceedingly dark world. Darkness is increasing upon the earth. What do you mean? Evil is increasing upon the earth. Deceit, lying, cheating. It's increasing upon the earth. Good people are like losing their minds. You know? It's like it's some, they can't see some of the most simplest things that they should be able to see. The evil, the deception that's taking place right in front of them. They can't even see it. Why? They're being blinded. Darkness is increasing upon the earth. Darkness could overtake you if you begin to take for granted the light, if you begin to neglect the light, if you don't determine, I'm going to walk in the light. I mean, I've had people, I told them, I, you know, they were going the wrong direction. And I told them, I, and they were at church, and I said, now listen. I said, you know, God's given you a window here. Get through it. Get in this, this place that he has for you. God wants you in this place. He wants you, in other words, walking in the light. Get out of that darkness. And it's just a little darkness. You know, it's, it's not a lot of darkness, just a little darkness. I got a lot of light. I mean, I know the Bible. I mean, I know the scriptures, man. I go to church. I'm never going to stop going to church. You know, and they just feel like, you know, everything's great. And they're just going to let this little darkness continue in their life. 
And I warned them. And I've watched them just become overtaken by darkness. Just overtaken. And just like a, a, you know, a riptide out there in the ocean. Just grab them and just pull them under, under the darkness. So we, we never want to be a victim of that. We never want to be a victim of darkness. We just want to grab a hold of the light and walk in it and let it get brighter and brighter and brighter. Yes. Hallelujah. While we got it, let's get it. Yes. While we got it, you know, before us, let's walk in it. Let's grab it. Praise it. Let's be doers of it. How many people are going to take hold of the word and not be a doer of it? Yes. See, we're here. We're here to take this word. Now, that was a very nice teaching. And you just kind of put that on the shelf with the rest of the teachings. No, no, no. We've come to be do. We're going to walk in this. I want to walk in this light. Praise God. I want to understand light, walk in it, and I want my life to be bright. I want to be able to see far. I don't want to be stumbling around in the darkness not knowing what end is up. Well, I'm not sure if it's God or not. That's a terrible place to be. I said it's a terrible place to be. Can you say amen? Now, if God is light, and the Bible says he is, and we understand, of course, demons rule the darkness. Darkness is synonymous with demons, with evil, evil spirits. But where did it come from? Where does this darkness come from if God is light? Because understand, God is omnipresent. God is everywhere all the time, isn't he? I mean, the psalmist even said, if I make my bed in hell, I mean, behold, you are there. I mean, there's nowhere I can go where God isn't. God is everywhere. And God is light, which means light is everywhere. So then, where, where, where does darkness even come from? If, if God has no darkness in him and God is everywhere, where does, where does darkness even come from? How could it even be? How could it even exist? Do, do. We'll come back next week and we'll pick this up and we'll... Where, did, where, does it, where does it come from? Where does it come from? Say, so, well, it's the devil. Well, but how can the devil, how can darkness or demons even be if God is light and in him is no darkness at all? Well, it can't be. If your definition of Darkness is the absence of light because God isn't absent anywhere. God is everywhere all the time. He's omnipresent. So if God's everywhere all the time, then it's, there's, it's impossible to have darkness because light is everywhere all the time. So it's impossible to have darkness if your definition of darkness is the absence of light. But... Darkness is not the absence of light. Darkness is actually a perversion of light. It's a perversion of light. Why don't we go to Ezekiel 28 and look at the founder of darkness. The one who founded darkness. In verse 11, it says, Moreover... The word of the Lord came to me saying, Hallelujah. Thank God the word comes to us. Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, this isn't talking about a natural king, the king of Tyre. No, actually, we'll just jump down to verse 14, see exactly who we're talking to, and then we'll come back up. Verse 14 says, you were the anointed cherub who covers. A cherub is an angel. So this was, uh, he's talking here about an angel that covered, a covering angel, this cherub. So again, coming back to verse 11, he says that you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Well, man, there ain't nobody like that on planet Earth. Huh? I mean, 
all of God's creation has been marred. You know, thank God for the beauty that the creation retains. But it falls way short of how God originally intended it. It falls way short. I mean, the most beautiful person, the most beautiful thing in this world is homely and really pathetic compared to the least of those in heaven. To the least of those in heaven. I'm just telling you. I mean, so here is this cherub, and he's perfect in beauty. Perfect in wisdom. Which is interesting that it's God who's saying these things. This is the word of the Lord. So God is recognizing wisdom and beauty, and this is something that eternity, therefore, recognizes. Eternity recognizes these things. It's not just a, an earthly thing. It's not just, a, not, not just a fleshly thing. It could become a fleshly thing. But people become consumed by these things. But it doesn't have to be. It's a heavenly thing. Verse 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Now that's not the same as the garden of Eden. Which comes later. This is the garden of God. Eden. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onks, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. So notice all this gold and all this jewelry, all these precious stones. I mean, he was, he was decked out with these things. And again, eternity is a recognizing these things. These things have value in eternity. And so here, this angel is just decked out in these things. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes were prepared for you in the day you were created. So this angel is a created being. God's the only one that never had to be created. He's always been. But the devil is a created being. Demons are created beings. They don't fall anywhere close in God's class. They don't fall anywhere close in God's class. And so here he's talking about these musical instruments that are kind of he's built into these musical. He's got these musical instruments built into him, you know. Probably when he spoke, it was like music. It's amazing. Verse 14, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. Now these fiery stones uh, could be these angelic hosts. And so he walked before them, you know, back and forth before these fiery hosts of angelic beings that if just one appeared to you, you'd just fall down, you could almost drop dead over it, you know. It's just so overwhelming. He walked back and forth, kind of like a general walking before the troops is how I picture that. Just like a general walking before, inspecting the troops, you know. And so this was uh, an angel with great authority. Again, he covered, he ruled. Verse 15, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Notice, you were what? Perfect in your ways from the days you were created. Who created him? God. How did God create him? Perfect, perfect in wisdom, perfect in beauty, perfect, no flaws, no flaws in them whatsoever. That's how God creates things. God is a master designer, a master builder. He does a perfect job on everything. That's why we want him leading our life. We want him to be the architect of what we do now and tomorrow and the rest of our life. He's my architect because, man, he gets his hands on it. If I can get this over into God's hands, I can get into faith and get this into God's hand, whoo, this thing's going to turn out good. It's going to come out perfect. You know, if we can keep our hands off it, you know. Keep our flesh out of it, in other words. Keep our opinions out of it. And just let God do this thing, it's going to come out perfect. Many times people have to get in there and inject themselves into it and just mess it up. But no, we don't want to mess up God's plan. We want God to fulfill his perfect plan in and through our life. 
Just a beautiful, beautiful work. Praise God. At the end of our life, we can say, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Just like that song. I think of that song. I see skies blue, red roses too. I don't know how the hell it goes. But there are, you know what I'm talking about? And I said to myself, what a wonderful world. Don't look at me like that. I know you like my singing, but you don't have to look at it like that. What a wonderful life. We can look back on it and say, it's wonderful. It's perfect. It's beautiful. Praise God, because God did it. Can you say amen? So you were perfect when God created you till iniquity was found in you. Now, that word found, when you, when you look it up, you really discover that it, it could be translated founded. It was founded in you. In other words, established. It was established or to originate. It originated in you. What did? Iniquity. It had its start in you. In you, this covering cherub, which we know from Isaiah chapter 14, is Lucifer, which we'll see here in a little bit. So notice, uh, the devil, he's the founder of iniquity. He's the one that started it. Not God. God made him perfect. But he got iniquity started. The devil did. In fact, Jesus refers to the devil as the father of lies. Remember, we already said lies are synonymous with darkness. So if he's the father of lies, he's the father of darkness. Over in John chapter 8. Let's look at that. Jesus said in John the 8th chapter, he's saying this to some of the most religious, pious people of his day. He said in verse 44, You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Everybody say the beginning. Yeah, see, he's the, he's the origin of murder. He's the founder of murder, the originator of murder, the inventor of it. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth or in the light because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. Or we could say the founder of it. He's the father of it. He's the father of every lie. He's the founder of it. He's the one that started lying. He started the trend to lie. That all came from him. Notice it says uh, he speaks from his own resources. In other words, he's the supplier. 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 He's the supplier. He's the distributor of all lies. He's the source of it. So, you know, don't be found... Letting the devil sell you his lies. He wants to distribute, you, uh, distribute to you a bunch of lies from his warehouse. And uh, you don't want to buy any of it because it'll make a liar out of you. They said it'll make a liar out of you. Verse 16. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Notice that. He became violent with it. And notice the abundance of trading. In other words, this is before Adam and Eve. This goes way back. And yet we see over in eternity, buying and selling. We see the stock market. We see a form of the stock market. Buying, selling, trading. And somewhere in there, he was obviously a master trader. Because he was just full of wisdom. And that's probably why he was decked out with all those jewels, you know. Because, I mean, he knew, he knew how, to, how to trade. But then he got his eyes on these things and became filled with violence. See, he's the source, the founder of everything violent, of all violence, murder, and destruction. The devil is the originator. He's the creator, we could say, of it, not God. God is not the author of evil. 
of darkness. That is the devil. The devil is the author of these things. He's the originator of it. It goes on, verse 16. Therefore I cast you out as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. So he was kicked out of the mountain of God, or we could say the kingdom of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub. Again, he's referred to as a covering cherub. I destroyed you, you O covering cherub. Isaiah chapter 25 talks about this covering. And it says in verse 7. And he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all the people and the veil that is spread over all nations. Notice this. Uh, it's talking about this veil of darkness that's covering the earth, blinding people's eyes. See, see this covering cherub was Lucifer, and he covered God's creation with God's glory, with God's wisdom, with God's beauty, with God's light, with God's splendor. That's, that was his job. That's what he did. But then he became corrupted on the inside, and now today he still covers, and he's still powerful. But now he's covering creation with darkness. So the whole earth now lies in this darkness. But oh, thank God for the light of the world. Thank God for the lights, praise God. And you know, creation teaches us about these things. In the same way you look up at night and see a dark sky, and in the midst of that covering of darkness, there's all these lights we call stars, right? You got all these lights shining and you got little lights you can barely see. And then you got some really bright lights up there in the sky at night. You know, some are more brighter than others. Well, see, that's how it is when God and the angels, they look down upon the earth in the spirit. In the spirit, the earth has a veil of darkness over it. The devil is covering the earth with darkness. But then, pop, up comes this light over here. Pop, up comes this light over here. And man, next thing you know, all these lights start popping up in the creation. All these stars, these little stars twinkling out there in the spirit. That's you and I. Praise God. Where's the Big Dipper tonight? I'm looking. I'm looking for the Big Dipper. Do we have a Big Dipper in the house? Now, thank God. We are his lights. Praise God forever. And, uh, and so it's just the same way. You know, the things we see in the visible teach us about things in the invisible. And so these things are true, uh, you know, concerning the earth. It is covered with spiritual darkness. But thank God we're getting more and more people to come into the kingdom of God. And so we're brightening the skies. In other words, we're brightening that spirit realm. We're brightening things up in the spirit realm. And you see, you know, people use the stars to navigate especially when you didn't have GPS, when you didn't have these satellites up there. People were able to use the stars to be able to, you know, navigate through the seas out there in the ocean and through life. They were able to plot their course and they would look at the stars for guidance. That's you and I. We're the light of the world. And people can get direction and guidance through you and I. So we want to keep our light bright and strong. Praise God. We want to be like the North Star. Bright and strong for everybody to see. Well, how does that happen? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says this veil of darkness that covers people is taken away in Christ. When one turns to the Lord, the veil, this veil of darkness that covers the earth is taken away. So, so when you turn to the Lord, the veil comes off. Praise God, and now you can see. Hallelujah. And the devil can see, and the angels can see, and God can see. And you're all lit up now in the spirit realm when someone turns to the Lord. Hallelujah. And the more we keep turning to him as we're learning of him, the brighter we, we become. Verse 17. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Wow. Wow. Think about that. 
This is, this is before mankind, you know. This is over an eternity. And here, uh, you know, he looked in the mirror. And he thought, hey, I'm pretty good. In fact, I think I'm the best looking angel around. Think about that. Angels recognize these things. Obviously, the other angels recognize, men. he is awesome. He is awesome. Lucifer is amazing. But they're all amazing. But he was more amazing. So there's levels of amazing. There's levels of brightness in heaven. See, a lot of, I, this is important to get a hold of. These. these things are so real, you understand? Earth is patterned after heaven, after eternity. This natural realm is patterned after, you know, uh, the spirit realm. And so we have to understand that there's beauty there. There's things of value there. There's things you desire there. There's things you want there. There's things you want to, you'll trade and, 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 and buy and sell to get. Those things, those things go on in heaven. It's not just something on earth. You don't just get to heaven and it's socialism. You know, it's just, it's just communism. Everybody gets the same suit. Everybody gets the same this. Everybody gets the same amount of money. Everybody gets, none of those things are important. We all do the same thing. That's not the Bible. Aren't you glad that, that God isn't a communist? God is not a communist. I got good news for you. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's a good news. That's, that's some, a lot of people think that's how heaven is. They think it's, it's like that. But no, that's not how it is at all. That's not how God works at all. Praise God. Not now and not in eternity. He doesn't work that way. So his heart got lifted up because of his beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. That word corrupted, when you look it up, means to pervert. To pervert. In other words, you perverted wisdom. And thus, because he was full of wisdom, he perverted himself. And what does it mean to pervert? It means to distort, warp, twist, bend. That's, that's what it means to pervert. So he took God's wisdom. He took God's truths. He took all that he had from God and he began to pervert it and twist it and turned it into something that it was never intended to be. He turned it into something else. So you see, darkness is not the absence of light. It's a perversion of light. It's a twisting of light. Isaiah 47, verse 10 says, Your wisdom and your knowledge have warped you. And you have said in your heart, I am, and there is no one else besides me. Your wisdom has warped you. In other words, you've gotten into pride. Wisdom has, has caused you to get into pride because you, you have, you're smart, you're intelligent, you know some things. You're better than other people in some areas. You've allowed pride to come in. It has warped you. That word warped means twisted, bent, distorted. That's very important to, to remember that when we're talking about light. Light rays bend. Light rays can bend. Light rays can actually be twisted. And that is what a black hole actually is. Science talks about these black holes. And what they say they are is, uh, actually, I've written it down here. Let me, let me go to that real quick. Mind if I just take a couple minutes to explain a black hole to you? Black holes are massive stars that fall inwardly or collapse, the gravitational pull is so great that it pulls everything near it into it, even light. Have you ever heard of a black hole? There's just these black holes out in space. You can see all these nice stars and everything, but then there's these black holes out there. And it pulls everything into it, everything that gets near to it, it pulls it into it, even light. When matter falls into a black hole, notice the word falls. The Bible says concerning Lucifer that he fell from heaven. Yeah, he fell. Yeah, he was cast out of heaven and he literally did fall face first. But not only that, he fell from God inwardly. He fell on the inside. He fell on the inside. In other words, he collapsed on himself. 
And his name Lucifer means day star. So he's a type of a star. Again, the creation, the visible teaches us about the invisible. And so when matter falls into a black hole, it becomes isolated from the rest of space and time and has effectively disappeared from the universe that we, that we exist in. Once inside the black hole, the matter will be torn apart into its smallest subatomic components, which will be stretched and squeezed until they too become part of the singularity, the center of the black hole, and increase the radius of the black hole accordingly. So a black hole, they say, is a planet that basically imploded. It fell inwardly. It collapsed on itself, and the gravitational pull was so great that it just began to suck everything near it into it, and everything that goes into it becomes distorted, twisted, we could say perverted, bent, even light, so that it doesn't look like light anymore. It is darkness. And black holes are a type of demons. They're a type of evil spirits. It's a type not only of demons, but humans that collapse from the inside. They fall from God. They fall from him into sin, and they collapse on the inside. They implode on the inside spiritually, and they become a black hole. They become a part of that darkness, increasing Satan's kingdom. Isn't that amazing? So just that's how black holes got started, how they get started. Well, that's, that's how darkness got started in the spirit. There was Lucifer. I mean, he was full of wisdom. The glory of God was upon him. When you look up the word glory, it means weighty. I mean, he was weighty. He was powerful. But then he got his eyes off God, got his eyes on himself, and he couldn't in himself uphold all that glory and power and splendor. And so he just collapsed. He just on the inside. He just rotted. He corrupted himself on the inside. That's where the word corrupted, where it says he corrupted his wisdom, thus corrupted himself. It means to rot. He rotted on the inside. And he he just collapsed on the inside. And when he did, he pulled a third of the angels with him. And they all became a part of that black hole. They all became creatures of darkness. And this great vacuum is in this earth. And it is drawing people into it. It is pulling people into it. People are being overtaken by darkness all the time. I mean, Adam, and, Adam himself had fallen into that darkness. All mankind has fallen into that darkness. But thank God Jesus came. And he reached down into the darkness. Glory be to God. And he's pulling folks out and turn he's restoring light to them he's straightening he's making the crooked places straight hallelujah he's got their bent thinking praise God getting it all straightened out and he's causing them to get brighter and brighter and brighter only Jesus can save you from the black hole of hell the black hole of Satan can you say amen oh praise God God didn't create it it came from the devil it came from this angel when he Fell, fell in love with himself, corrupted himself, corrupted the wisdom, became a perverted, twisted being, twisted the light of God. So God is here, but his light gets twisted. I mean, you think about it, even in preaching the gospel, that light goes out there, and then there's some folks, that light enters them, and it gets twisted and bent, so that now they got all kinds of perverted doctrine. They got all kinds of perverted ideas about God, and they're using scripture to justify it. See, it's a perversion. It's a twisting of the light, and that is darkness. But God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Hallelujah. And as we abide in him, walking in the truth, there'll be no darkness in us either, and we'll be able to see exactly where we're going. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Come on, stand on your feet with me. Let's thank the Lord tonight. Well, see, because people, they think, well, now God's created everything. And so, you know, God quite obviously must want darkness. Otherwise, it never would have happened. He's in sovereign control. Well, no, God's given man and he's given angels a free will. They've ha they have free will. So he says, oh, angels don't have a free will. Well, then how did they rebel against God if they did? They have a free will. I don't know where people came up with that one. I used to hear that when I was newly saved. Angels don't have a free will. That's unscriptural. And they could never have turned away from God. 
They chose. They made decisions. They have a free will. So, you know, God's not in absolute sovereign control. People have a free will. And there's a devil loose. But thank God you and I are getting a hold of the light of God. And we're able now through his word to see God straighten out all the crooked places in our life. Amen. He's straightening us out from the inside out spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, materially. He is straight. He, God wants to straighten every perverted, twisted thing. Everything that's been twisted in his creation, God wants to straighten it out. That's good news. God didn't do it. God didn't, can't blame him for it. There's a lot of people walk around blaming God for things that are twisted and perverted in their life, saying, why did you do this? God had nothing to do with it. Well, why did you let it happen? Because man has a free will. God can't just come in and do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. He can't do that. He'd be violating your free will, which would be violating righteousness, his laws, his way of doing things. And he'd cease being just. So he can't do that. But he is drawing us to the light. He's drawing us to Jesus. He's drawing us to the truth so that he can work in our life through our faith and get it all straightened out. Hallelujah. Somebody say, God's getting it all straightened out. From the inside out. Hallelujah. Come on, let's thank him for it. Thank you, Lord. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.